0: This is your host, Austin, and what you are listening to right now is none other than the 41st episode of your podcast, Opinion Is Wrong. Now, we have a special, a special surprise for you, dear listeners, on this, our 41st episode, because returning from a more or less six-month sabbatical from all sort of uh, music, uh, internet, mumbo-jumbo, we have one of the original co founders, episode one, go, you guys, uh, of your podcast Opinion Is Wrong. We have with us our dear, dear friend, Alexander. Woohoo! And also Robbie and Danny. What's up? Hey. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> but okay, but before we go any further, we should really, I think, uh, the conversational depths to be mined. Uh, of of your your hiatus and your sabbatical from the internet, Alex is more or less unlimited, so talk to us why why is this a thing that you did uh did it go as well as you thought? What did you learn? Tell us about it
1: well, basically uh you guys know I want to be a music writer as sort of silly as it is because there's no real security or money to be made in the field, but I basically got really fed up with all the b s So I decided I wasn't going to read any music sites at all for however long. And I just was going to sort of listen to like three records a day. And at first, it was really cool. But by the end, it was like just really, really grating. And like talking to you guys about music is so much more fun than just listening alone. So, yeah, that's why I'm here again.
2: (laughs) What did you use to like compile your like list of... Whatever you listen to when you were on that break,
1: uh rate your music's top five hundred a bunch of uh wet c d collages, um mm-hmm.
0: stuff like that, yeah, and do you still want to be a music writer?
1: I do I think the internet is a great there's so much good music writing, but there's also a lot of terrible, terrible writing, so
0: yeah there's there's a fair bit of that, certainly not on your personal opinion is wrong though
1: no we are. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: Exemplars. Mm-hmm.
0: Terrific writing. Faultless, one might say. Anyway, I'm I'm interested because you at the beginning of your, your sabbatical you mentioned that you were gonna be sort of uh listening to a lot of music that one would not expect an Alexander to be listening to. And I'm I'm fascinated to see if this is something you went through with. Did you try to challenge yourself uh instead of just listening to a bunch of dumb Tweepop records? <laughs> <laughs> bring it back! Bring it back, the beef. Uh, uh, I tried to
1: get into black metal. Um, I actually. I think that merits a laugh break. Yeah. Um, I actually like the Ulver. Ulver, is that the way?
0: Over, it... yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Ulver, Ulver. The debut. That's pretty cool. And um... yeah, it's a really good one of my favorite black metal records.
0: Uh, would that be Nat 10's Madrigal or whatever it was called?
1: Yeah, that's yeah. That, that's like that's that. a quality album, yeah. And um, something that you guys might not even have heard of that I really enjoyed. Um, there's this guy called Botanist. Basically, he is a black metal drummer, but in order to sort of transfer his like skills into a solo album, he learned a hammered dulcimer, so he can do all these crazy black metal like rolls and stuff on the hammered dulcimer, and he does that into like a black metal album. And it, it's sounds
3: crazy it sounds very familiar. It sounds m- very familiar. I might have heard of this guy actually.
1: It's it sounds really goddamn weird,
0: ridiculous. It's
1: awesome. Hmm.
3: My God, Alex, you're com- you're becoming quite the Hunter Hunt Hendrix
0: around here. <laughs> <laughs> Man, what is this? I-, I come on a podcast, and Alexander's uh, telling me about black metal albums I've never heard about. <laughs> this, ser- this certainly isn't a thing I would ever expect that would happen.
1: To be fair, I learned about it through NPR, so it's not, like, totally out
0: of my <laughs> wheelhouse. Wow. Okay. Fair enough. I feel better.
1: <laughs> Did yeah. you uh, listen to any
2: of the, like, electronic over over albums? I've been curious about them. Yeah, let,
0: let me let me hit you on those. They're they're shit.
2: Yeah, that's why I didn't listen to
0: them. Because um, Rate all Your them. Music
2: really likes them. Or, rate you, Your Music likes one of them.
0: Yeah, Rate Your Music is not a reliable source on terrible, terrible <laughs> metal.
2: <laughs> I understand, but it's not even it's not even metal as far as I know, right? This particular album. No, not really. Oh. All um, of the, well, just I don't over, know.
3: Over pretty much stopped being metal after, you know, the first, first couple top. albums. Yeah. I I've never pretty actually much. listened to that
2: band before, but I plan to someday.
0: Yeah. You do it if you like like atmosphere black metal, but uh maybe cut it off at like <laughs> nineteen ninety seven, I'm gonna say. Yeah, I guess. So, what about what about any other uh, forms of harsh and abrasive music, Alex?
1: Um, I tried to listen to get more into Mursbow. I mean, as much as one can possibly do. Um, I the thing about Mursbow is I think it's more about how the record makes you like go crazy than more about the actual music itself.
0: So, welcome to harsh noise, my friend. Yeah, yeah. I, I never thought that was it that was I never thought anybody argued, you know, to the contrary. <laughs> it's music to punch things to. Well
2: the thing with Murzbow is I feel like the reason why he's so like popular and why he's kind of the face of noise music is just because he has so much of it. But there are more interesting noise artists out there, I think, you yeah. know?
3: Yeah. yeah. I like Mersbo a lot, but I can definitely attest that, you know, there are more interesting ones.
1: Yeah. Have you guys heard of a hair police? Apparently that's like a new harsh noise album that's getting a lot of buzz this year. Hair Police? Air yeah. Police, is,
3: that the, huh? is that the name of the
1: band? It's the name of the band. Okay. Mm. I'm
2: looking at, right at it right now and write your music and.
0: I'm also at it right now and write your music. All right. <laughs> Holy shit!
3: I'll <laughs> your yeah. music. What the fuck? <laughs>
0: oh
2: man. Yeah, it looks looks interesting. I really like. Yeah. Uh, I really like Kevin Drum and uh, Yellow Swans. Oh, I swans love Yellow swans. Yeah, swans. Yellow are Swans are great. Yellow Swans are awesome. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Kazumoto Endo, school too.
1: Fuck,
3: I was hoping you'd bring that up.
2: I yeah,
1: Kazumoto Endo is great. I listened to that, and it is hilarious.
0: I, I was <laughs> laughing out loud like a maniac. I don't know. I think it's <laughs> funny, but I think I don't know. It's not as it isn't as gut busting hilarious to me as it is to a lot of other people. I think. Yeah. That is, like, a solid, like, schizophrenic, dynamic, harsh noise, as opposed to the sort of, uh, you know, hours of boring drones that a lot of noise guys pump out year after year. Yeah. 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 I wonder if anyone's
3: tried, have any of you tried to listen, uh, Alex, did you try to listen to the Merzbox?
1: <laughs> That's not exactly a people do. If I, if I started my sabbatical listening to that, I'd still be listening to that by now.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh.
3: Yeah. I think that's ambitious for anyone to listen to. Yeah.
1: But the Uh, thing about the Merz box is that it's not a best of. And and most people think it is a best of, but it's like B-sides. Oh,
3: it's not. Yeah.
1: Yeah. (laughs) And like
3: Merzbo B-sides. Wow. (laughs) Like, this is the shit that was not good enough to make it on the record.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, Alex. Um... Now, this is something that I've been doing, and I'll talk about this in our What Are You Listening To segment, but how did you go about informing yourself on music? Did you start chronologically? Did you just go off best-of lists? What did you do to familiarize yourself with, like, you know, the trajectory of a certain genre or artist or what have you?
1: Um, A lot of RYM, like I said, mm-hmm. Um, and I I did start chronologically. So, basically, like... I started as at a very, very obvious point. That's probably not even a fair starting point, if you want to, like, consider all the music. But I just listened to the Beatles albums all over again.
0: That's probably good.
1: Yeah. And and then I just sort of branched off from there.
2: Did you so, touch anything before, like, the
1: 60s? Probably not, actually. Well, I I like, a couple Charles Mingus records are, f- like, the late 50s. Right. So... Yeah,
0: I think if you are trying to gauge pop music from, like, not its inception, but have a good idea of pop music and a working knowledge of it in this day and age, I think 1960 is probably a good place to start.
1: <sighs> yeah. yeah. It's, it's probably not fair to, like, the bunch of really amazing forgotten music before then, but nobody knows about it.
0: Yeah, cause, I mean, all I've really yeah. done is jazz, of course, and then the weird electronic and noise records that would come out, you know, sporadically throughout the 40s and 50s. And yeah. some, like, old folk music compilations that were released then. And that's really about the extent of it.
1: Yeah. Yeah,
2: I think particularly jazz is, is the biggest, like, victim of, of ignoring the 50s. I mean, 59 in particular was, like, I think probably the biggest year for for jazz, like, possibly ever. So... Mm-hmm. Otherwise, though, I mean, yeah, a lot of the electronic stuff, a lot of the early electronic stuff was really fascinating from back then. And then, um, you know, a few other things. But, like, there's there's not too much you're missing from that era, I guess.
1: Yeah. The problem probably. with, like, jazz, though, is that it's only talked about in, like, academic circles. Like, it's not talked about, like, pop music is. Which is That's a real shame.
0: Kind of true, yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah, yeah there's cool. a lot of unnecessarily, like, intellectualization, I think, that goes on with it. Yep. Yep.
3: Hmm.
0: <laughs> no, we actually had this conversation once before, Danny, because you are in a, I guess, a, a scene that has a lot of sort of jazz. Oh, that's right. Jazz yeah, hats, I, as I believe I'm they're in called.
2: I'm you know, a music major, and yeah, there's really not anything interesting happening in jazz right now, like, not on a significant level. Um, I think the most interesting artists in jazz right now are, like, the indie artists who are... Messing with jazz, like Bad, Bad, Not Good, or, or something, and like, or maybe like Portico Quartet. Even those aren't like groundbreaking, but they're at least trying. You know, the think... most artists in the jazz community right now are just like, I want to play bop, or like, I want to, you know, just yeah. write big band tunes or whatever. You know,
3: well, I one think of one of the... my favorite. Oh, sorry. Oh. Go ahead. I think one of the one one of the best things I've ever heard in my life was uh, at the end of the first Bad, Bad, Not Good album. There's like a vocal clip. Of the, yeah. Like two of the members talking, you know, I'm, you know, I'm going at, going at, and uh, it's like the drummer or something. Um, well, someone asked him, "What do you think of Giant Steps?" And he said, "It's, it's uh, 50 years old. It sounds like shit. Write a new fucking song or something like that." <laughs>
0: yeah,
3: and that, like that there, there's kind of, too. there's kind of an air of truth to that. Like you can't just be <clears throat> replicating these 50 year old, um, you know, sounds and methods and ideas. Uh, for for so long, that's what kind of led jazz to to be this kind of adult contemporary sort of art form that it is now, instead of the innovative art form that it, it, it that it was up until I'd say the 70s or the 80s. Yeah, I
2: yeah, think it
0: just stagnated, I, you know. I think those yeah. jazz, like the free jazz and sort of avant uh, stuff, like Peter Brotzman or what have you, that was happening in the early 60s, was probably like some punk shit for 1962. Like, it was probably, (laughs) like, insane. And it was, like, the closest thing to, you know, hardcore punk that they had at that time. Uh, But I think it never really advanced beyond that. But, I mean, like... See, for me, the ideal sort of uh, trajectory for jazz would have been a band like Little Women. Do, did any oh, of you yeah. anybody listen to Throat?
1: Yeah. Sort of. Oh, my God. That is yeah. harsh stuff.
0: Yeah, because, I mean, I think, like, that's the continuation of, you know, from, you know, like, Ragtime to, you know, Bop to Free Jazz to, you know, this completely destructive, annihilating music, but with jazz instruments, I guess. I don't know. And I, you can argue that... Um, well, I was thinking about this... And I'll talk about this more when you listen to, but uh, I think jazz and sort of the funk and soul that it turned into, sort of branched off into hip hop. I think, and I think hip hop is sort of carrying on those aesthetics and the I culture of it essentially. Yeah. Uh, just like you know, you know, people aren't playing you know blues rock anymore, like pop songs like the Beatles did. They're playing you know, you know, like shoegaze or something like that. I don't. Know, it it sort of evolves <laughs> into something. I guess aesthetically similar, but not exactly uh, the same. Yeah. You know?
2: Yeah, which is perfectly fine. And I actually, I, speaking of the hip hop uh, uh, comparison, I actually saw an article on NPR today. Um, Ooh,
1: is it by called, Jay Della? Yeah,
2: exactly. I read uh, that too. Yeah, you should you should talk. About, I didn't read it all yet, so you should oh. probably talk about it. But um, I did I did read some of it, and I really like what it was saying. Um, and it, it's true. I mean. The idea of jazz doesn't have to be, you know, this sonically rigid thing that just stays like, you know, the same over the years. I think that people who take the ideas of jazz and develop them into something else, I think, I feel like that's what it should be. You know what I mean?
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like Anthony yeah, did a video that's... about how no genre ever dies, and I think jazz yeah. has found its like Flylo, J Dilla. They're taking on jazz traditions and informing Absolutely. it into their own music. So.
0: Yeah. I, and yeah, I should preface this by saying I know literally nothing about jazz, so... Oh, me too. Uh, the jazz nerds back the hell off. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. No, I a it,
3: nerd. Yeah.
0: Anyway, I should probably listen to more jazz is what I'm getting from this conversation.
2: Yeah, I mean, in my opinion on jazz as a whole is, like, the early... The, like, the peak of it for, like, you know, a jazz fan to be the late 50s when, like, you know, kind of blue and, you know timeout and all those albums came out um but that you know it's it's interesting but like what interests me most personally is like the more experimental stuff the artists who took that and did weirder things with it like the third stream kind of stuff um like moon dog um you know it's just like i don't know there's only so much like i feel like i can get out of it because it's a lot of people just like giving their interpretations of on the same idea uh sometimes i don't know it depends on what you're listening to i'm not wording this very well but you get what i'm trying to say hopefully
0: mm-hmm. yeah. anyway. awesome so should we move right into uh to what are you listening to let's do it let's do it all right three two one about my bloody valentine yeah, yeah. we have to oh Throwing all down right the let's talk let's talk about my bloody valentine since we haven't yet on the podcast and we probably should
1: yeah all right first impressions
0: go for it alex my bloody valentine mbv what do you think about it
1: okay the title and the album art are pretty bad
0: <laughs> oh that's something we could all God. agree on <laughs> thank
1: you. yeah but i liked it a lot Um, the, like the last few tracks, like the last three or so are so influenced by drum and bass. It really took me off guard.
0: Yeah, it was pretty cool.
1: (laughs) But I liked it. Like, uh, the last song, uh, wonder two, like at first it sounds like a, like a jet plane is like taking off right above your head. And then like last part of it is like listening to a a drum and bass track, like inside the turbine of the jet. It's amazing.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's a good way to put it actually. See, a lot yeah. of people have been talking about that track and for some reason a lot of people are getting an Animal Collective vibe from it. Now, I don't see that at all. Like, I don't even see it a little bit. I, I think
2: Anthony's the only person who
3: saw that, to be honest. Yeah. And, yeah, and like I, I, I was on my you know, I watched it, watched it on YouTube office, and I commented I, I, I have heard that in other places but I really can't follow it on that. And he replied to me and he said, you don't think this is something Panda Bear would sing over, and I'm like, no, I zero percent, <laughs> I do not see it at all. But,
0: <laughs> but yeah. so, I think it's... so. Anthony had has his review of this album out already. Yep, I did not actually watch it. How how did he take it?
3: He liked it. He
2: gave, he it, gave it a
0: late eight. Okay, that's yeah. okay. This
3: is around what I'd give it, actually. Yeah,
2: yeah,
3: but
2: yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. i mean <laughs> i i personally i i i personally love it like i i it's not you know i, I don't even want to go into the whole like oh it's not as good as a loveless thing because like whatever you know does uh, like, anyone really that. like was anyone yeah. really like going in with that kind of it's not even like I don't, I don't even want that from them you know like i don't want them to just do another loveless and i i just i wanted to see how they would push forward their sound and i feel like they did like not tremendously, it's not like a drastically new sound for them. It's no kid a, you know, versus okay computer or anything, but like, it's, it feels like the logical follow up to Loveless and it's really solid. I mean, you know, the, the songwriting is still there. Um, the, the sound is, is like, like Alex was saying, it sounds like, you know, that whole jet turbine kind of aesthetic, like is a new like level for them, I think. Um, and it's just it's pretty much what I wanted out of another album from them. You know, it's not like perfect, but like it's great, I think.
1: Yeah, totally. I think it's really diverse. It's it's always engaging, both sonically and in terms yeah. of the songwriting. Yeah. Um I love it. The only thing I have a couple questions about it though. The Loveless took it costed about a quarter of a million pounds, I think, to get produced. Is that right? Yeah.
0: Something like that, yeah. Something like that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Two hundred thousand,
0: hey, I, I, I think, maybe a quarter million dollars. I don't know.
1: Yeah, so yeah. something incredibly, incredibly, ridiculously high. I want to know how much this album costs to make, just for music nerdery purposes.
0: He did it in yeah. garage <laughs> band in his <laughs> 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 yeah.
1: Well, he re- he
3: recorded. He uh, all, all I know about the recording is that it was entirely analog, and and like it sounds that way, and and I love the fact that it sounds that way because. You know, it, it doesn't sound horribly digital, but I don't think that, I don't think that that digital sound is something that my bloody valentine should have. You know, they're best with the sort of warm sound that analog would have. I'm, I'm I'm not the biggest expert on this, but you know, I know the difference. Yeah. I I know what analog sounds like. Generally, that's
1: interesting because their sound it was based off a very specific uh, digital delay unit. So I'm surprised that it was recorded analogly
0: yeah here's yeah. here's my here's my deal with this album um you, you know like danny was saying uh you wouldn't expect it to be like what well, you were expecting sort of an advancement of the sound uh but not too much you know yeah. and you weren't expecting another loveless i yeah. maybe it's me expecting mm-hmm. too much of mr shields but I, I don't know, for someone who is capable of making an album like Loveless and when was it released ninety one mm-hmm. uh like something that would that was that insane and revolutionary, I would have liked to have thought he could have done something similar, maybe not to that quite great a height, but something that would take me by surprise in twenty thirteen just based on the fact that, you know, he might be a creative genius and it wasn't just a fluke. And I, I don't think, I mean, calling it a fluke is kind of maybe a little bit harsh, but I think, I don't know, I just wish he was capable of doing something that shocked me and amazed me more than making uh, something that sounds, in my opinion, I think a little bit more like Loveless than a lot of other people seem to think. Austin. Yeah. Yeah.
1: The only problem with that is yeah. that literally 500 million bands have bastardized his sound. So
0: which is why it that's the thing. He was he made his sound, and I would have thought that someone who had the ability to make that sound would be you know, have the ability to make another not not as, you know, new and intriguing, but you know, something above the sort of plotting, drugged out, you know, nonsense that I'm being a little too harsh, but I don't know. <laughs> it, it seemed to me a little bit sort of lackadaisical, not Hey, even on Loveless, the songwriting I think was a lot sharper, and the instrumentation and orchestration uh, was, and it, it held my attention a lot more than MBV did.
1: That's fair.
2: I, I do think the songwriting was a little sharper on Loveless, but honestly, the sonic approach I was to me like equally impressive on each album, um, or at least relatively equally impressive. But um, yeah, I mean, it's not you know anything that like we really haven't heard before. It's not, like, going to change the face of music again, but, like, as someone who really just enjoys the sound that that band has and enjoys seeing them explore it further, I I just feel like it succeeds on that level,
1: you know? I totally agree.
3: Yeah, you see, I I feel um, you're, uh, you know, Danny and Alex, I feel feel you guys' sentiments, but I also feel Austin's. Uh, It is somewhat disappointing to me just that you know, this album took twenty-two years to make, but it—you know—it sounds like it probably could have taken four years to make, three or four years. Like this, this could have come out in '94 or '95. Let's be honest. There's not there's not much here that I don't think they couldn't have done in the early '90s, save for maybe the last last track. Maybe, like maybe that level of layering couldn't have happened until later. Regardless, <clears throat> but you know. If I take it outside of context, which you know, I can do so. I can do with certain things. Um, and I just focus on the songs. I really like the songs, and I really like the, the sounds and the production and all that other nice stuff. Um, so it, it ended up being a satisfying listen to me, but it it didn't really come close to completely blowing me away or blowing my mind, you know. Except for maybe the last track, which is just, you know, holy shit. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so before I listened to uh, MVV, I went back and listened to Isn't Anything, which I don't know how I feel about that record. It's, it seems very uh, indecisive because um, not a lot, a lot of people don't know this, but um, MVV, they started as a dwee-pop band. Um, they
2: actually started as a like goth rockabilly band or psychabilly band, like a post-punk band or yeah, they were like a or, yeah. really weird like post-punky like goth like gothic psychabilly band. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I mean, you, that's not like material that anyone even pays attention to. You,
1: you're right. You're right that like the st- the first stuff people actually started caring about was like, twee. Yeah, like here's the name of their second single. You guys. You're ready to be amazed because it's incredibly laughable. Okay, <laughs> their name of their second single is called Sunny Sunday Smile, and it's Ice Cream Sunday.
0: Uh <laughs> Paint... be, be sided with, I believe, uh, a song called Paint the Rainbow.
1: Paint yeah, a Paint rainbow. The rainbow.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> yeah, you're not you're not a real twee band unless you have a song about cookies or ice cream or any sort of sweet food.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
3: Now your now your icon is making so much more sense to me.
1: I did that <laughs> so I could remind myself to say this right now. Oh
0: yeah yeah. <laughs> um, uh-huh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs>
1: hmm.
0: Yeah. Hey, the uh you mentioned um uh isn't anything, which uh I you know I I like isn't anything. But here's the thing about isn't anything is that it is not well produced. And when you're My Bloody Valentine, that's kind of like a prerequisite for your album to be at least, you know, held in the same standards as Loveless. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, it's unfair.
0: It's not that they rely on production, but production is a large part of what makes them them, I think.
3: I think I like the EPs that are around the time of "Isn't Anything." I think I like those EPs, like you made me realize, or Tremolo, or mm-hmm. you know, there's several other ones.
0: I like those. Slider was really um,
3: good. Yeah. yeah, I I like those EPs more than "Isn't Anything," but I still think I still think it's decent, but doesn't hold, really hold a candle to some other stuff they've done.
1: Mm-hmm. My biggest problem with "Isn't Anything" is like Kevin's vocals because they're not buried they're not ethereal which i really like and and at least with my bloody valentine
3: they're right out there
1: yeah and it's he's doing this sort of front man of a twee pop band for these like really proto loveless kind of gnarly shoegaze tracks uh guitars and it sounds really weird and not good
3: can i say like one more thing about mbv and then i'm
1: i'm kind of done with it you
3: may yeah um there's one other, only the only other disappointment that I sort of have with MBV is that it never. I mean, I, I know you know, don't com- compare everything to Loveless. Don't compare everything to Loveless, but some, you know, I'm a little disappointed that MBV never had a track that really reached the emotional height of something like Sometimes from Loveless. Yeah, I'll agree with that. Like I, I was, I was hoping that there was something that could. Sort of be the sometimes of uh, MVV, but uh, the, the, there's a couple tracks that really do have a, an emotional catharsis to me, but not not nearly to that level. But it may be because I've you know I've listened to Loveless for six or seven years or whatever, and I've known that song forever. It's been one of my favorites forever, so I might be a little unfair, but I, I was hoping for something that was sort of grounded in that. At some point in the album, yeah,
0: yeah, I never really liked that song as much as others on that album. Maybe I'm listening to it the wrong way, but yeah, yeah. It, it, it took a little oh, while to grow on me,
2: but I, I, think it's absolutely great now. Uh, you got have you seen Lost in Translation? Yes, I've seen Lost in Translation. <laughs> okay, I was gonna say if you haven't seen that, maybe that's what you need to get. You no, <laughs> I, I think I've
0: said it before on the podcast. Bill Murray is actually my favorite human being. <laughs> I like got on the planet.
2: Yeah, no, that's a very good choice.
0: Yeah.
2: I've never actually seen the, that movie. Like, it, it, are the.
0: What? I know.
2: The soundtrack is, like, totally you. Like, I feel
0: like. You know. <laughs> I think that's true. That movie is, uh, quote, indie, unquote. I don't know. It's just. It, it seemed kind of fluffy to me.
1: Are you saying I that I get it. it's take place in Japan?
0: Oh, no, no, no. I'm into that. It's just. I, I'm joking. I'm joking. Yeah. <laughs> See, like, I
3: understand why people hate Sofia Coppola, but I think the reasons why people hate Sofia Coppola are exactly why I fucking love Sofia Coppola, you know, and why I love Lost in Translation and a couple of her other movies. What mm-hmm. are those reasons? Like, like um, there's kind of a distancing that she kind of does from, you know, from the characters to the audience where it feels... well. And there's a lot of scenes of the mundane. And, like, have you seen some um, Somewhere? Her 20, 2010 movie?
0: Like, I, think I haven't seen cut it. out for a Yeah, you did. I haven't seen any Sofia Coppola movie except for this one, I think. Yeah, I, I, have,
2: I have the version Suicides, uh, actually.
0: But I haven't seen it yet.
3: Okay, well... Uh, sometime, somewhere is a lot of the nothing shots, you know? Where, like... He, uh, I'm explaining myself horribly here, but but the point is she she takes a ple- she takes a, a focus in the mundane factors of human life that I really enjoy and that I really wish more directors would take advantage of. But I think I think a lot of people you know find her boring for that.
2: Yeah, I, I see what you say. She definitely has a really kind of subtle, understated style where she focuses on aspects of life you'd normally would not maybe think to dramatize like uh, you know i don't know if i'm wording this right but I, I remember when i was when i was younger um uh, the first time i heard about lost in translation was a friend of mine who was uh talking about his family and him who he had seen the worst movie he had ever seen and it was called lost in translation and it was just the most boring thing he'd ever seen and there was just no plot and he kept waiting for something to happen and then right when he thought something was going to happen the credits rolled up so that was my first impression and then years later i watched it and i ended up loving it but i i do understand why it would it would bother people you
0: know he
1: should have said yeah, nothing mean... happens but there's scarlett johansson so
0: it's <laughs> right or nothing happens ask. but there's bill murray yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway. Should we continue this, with this what is, we're listening this to? Is what This is what are we listening to. Hey, what's up, everybody? Um, <laughs> all right, Alex, did you have anything else you'd like to interrupt us with?
1: Uh, I have, but I think I've stolen enough time with the... Oh, movie. go
0: for it. You, oh, you're, okay. you're just getting here. Holy Christ. Your avatar kind of took me by surprise there. <laughs> I did that, <laughs> that yeah uh, for, for those of you who uh uh who don't know, which is literally everybody except for three people, um <laughs> Alex just changed his avatar to a picture of Bill Murray with daisies in his beard, which I am now printing out hundreds of copies of <laughs> for personal reasons, anyway, one more uh putting them,
1: you're putting them so, in your bathroom
0: yeah, yeah, uh Alex, what have you been listening to, friend
1: uh one more thing is this. I've been getting into old school spiritualized or no yeah spiritualized and um spaceman three nice mm-hmm. and wonderful the first spiritualized single is a cover of any uh any way that you want me and it is just amazingly good it is just mind-bogglingly good yeah
2: uh, Spiritualized is, is cool Spaceman 3 has always just kind of been, like, a little on the border of, like, just kind of, like, really self-indulgent, druggy music,
1: you know? just like I don't dispute that at all.
2: Yeah, I mean, like, I'm cool with that sometimes, you know? I just feel like it should be a little more just... So they're just, like, a couple guys, like, you know, in their garage, like, just with their pedals, you know? It's just, like, I'm all just right, sunglasses. I get it, guys. Like, yeah, and what's the name of that album? The Perfect Prescription... It's even yeah. the, even the whole it's a it's a concept album about like being high. It's just like so not subtle. I'm like if you're gonna make music about drugs, you know whatever It's your thing. But like,
0: do it like Electric Wizard. Little... <laughs> I
2: mean, do do it aesthetic. do it subtle like Electric Wizard. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes, they're definitely a very good example of a subtle a subtle band. But yeah. um, anyway, um, it's just I don't know. You're, they're not a bad band though, and I, I like spiritualize a lot.
1: I like early spiritualized compared to modern spiritualized. I mean, I know Kyle really likes uh... Sweethearts. Right? <laughs> yeah, I was about to call it Huh because I couldn't remember the name. <laughs> um, yeah.
3: but I yeah, think that was yeah. the original name, actually, but he changed it.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah I mean, what, I kinda do, like... what do you think about Ladies and Gentlemen? We oh, I putting... love that. Yeah, yeah, that one's great.
3: Yeah. yeah, I'm actually looking on the Wikipedia page for the perfect prescription, and it says it's a concept album. "Quote: A vision of a drug trip from inception to its blasted conclusion, highs and lows fully intact." <laughs> how? <laughs> is, how fucking
1: bullshit is that? <laughs> yeah, it's pretty lazy. That's for like, like you to make I, a concept. Oh. Yeah, no, I don't
0: know.
1: It's kind I of funny worry. though
0: because yeah. usually it's usually it is people like. Like Electric Wizard or Snoop Dogg, who are making albums about being high, but instead it's just these these sweet little indie kids who are making you know, their fun pop songs about it.
3: There, <laughs> wow! You found a connection between Snoop Dogg and Electric Wizard. Snoop I'm a trailblazer. Miles, for your information,
0: you me. no, I think he changed it back. Let me let me check RYM. Did he? Uh,
2: what Snoop Dogg? Yeah, yeah, he he did change it back. Oh, that's. There was actually a great little tweet. On, uh, <laughs> it
3: was, I can't. I find it. I, it was, yeah, I, I saw remember this. That. I remember that. He tweet. just said, I, I. I just changed my. I just. <laughs> I can't even do it. It's so fucking funny. Just. I changed my my name. Sorry, guys. Never mind. Something like that. And then the next it's tweet like... was. I didn't even like reggae music that much. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh. Oh I love. Uh, so sad. Lying. I just
1: want to hug him and say it's all right.
3: Oh my gosh! Yeah. He smokes eighty do eighty blunts a day. I think he's fine.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's probably not allegedly. Yeah.
3: <laughs> <sighs> uh, uh, all
1: right. I'm done. Someone else go.
3: <laughs> I can go. Perhaps.
1: Cool. Go,
0: go ahead.
3: for it. <laughs> okay. I. Well fuck, I now need to pull up my last FM because I'm God. Pressure. <laughs> um shit. I don't wanna waste too much time looking for something. Uh, how about someone else goes first?
0: Danny, would you like to go? Uh, sure. Um
3: I've been I've been going through uh
1: this
2: not something I normally even really do, but I'm going through the discography of uh Autecker. I'm um, probably pronouncing it way wrong, but... No, the but IBM, the, it's
0: literally yeah, they acknowledge literally, the fact literally that it's unpronounceable.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I believe they literally just hit the keyboard to make that name. Yeah. Um, I think literally, <laughs> I actually... I watched interviews trying to figure out how to pronounce this elusive name, but they were just like, yeah, you can pronounce it however you want. Anyway, I've been going through their discography chronologically, skipping a few of the random EPs, but otherwise hitting like basically every release, uh, at least album and EP-wise. Not really completely sure what it is about. I mean, I guess I kind of understand what fascinates me about them so much. It's just that their their trajectory is, was just, like, such an odd one. Like, they, they they started out really randomly as
0: an acid house group.
2: Yeah, I listened listen to those early yeah. singles. Yeah, and that was just, like, one EP, basically. There was uh,
0: a—the uh, guy who—one of the guys from Otaker, uh did, like, this breakbeat hardcore thing under the name Lego Feet or something like that. Oh, uh, Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, yeah I'm probably sad. wrong, but I remember listening to it, and I was listening to a lot of uh, uh, like early breakbeat stuff, and and I thought it was pretty good for that.
2: Yeah, that's I actually listened to that. Yeah, it is. But anyway, um, yeah. But then they really got good, of course, with their first album, which was uh, Incunabula, which was like pretty melodic, like ambient techno IDM kind of stuff, and then like with each album they just got progressively more like experimental um to the point where like lately they've just been like almost impenetrably abstract um which i think is kind of interesting even if it is hard to listen to sometimes but apparently their new album is like a double album and it actually has a lot of variety on it and a lot of accessibility so i'm really excited to get to that one but i'm about halfway through the discography just been kind of trekking through it and it's uh been a lot a lot of good stuff so far. Um anyway, uh also this Brazilian project um from the late sixties I believe. Um it's uh these two guys uh no sorry early seventies two guys uh Milton Nascimento and I'm gonna mispronounce this but Lo Borges or something like that. Uh it's like mpb is the genre it was like a certain kind of counterculture movement of like brazilian music back in late 60s early 70s um but yeah really like just really like heartfelt songwriting like some really emotionally resonant stuff like a great aesthetic like just really like pleasant music you know like honestly it just does a lot for me but um yeah and then um There was one more thing I was going to mention. Oh, uh, I've been getting really into, like, just pop music and, like, just, like, dirty hip-hop. And uh, one of the things I've gotten really into is really early 3-6 Mafia. um, Because they have uh, a compilation that compiles, like, their first few years of being a band. Um, uh, It's just called Undergun Volume 1, 1991-1994. And it's just, like, this really weird, like, experimental brand of hip-hop that I just, like, never really heard until I heard these guys. It's just, like, often not even verses. It's just, like, one hook. They just repeat for, like, the whole song with this really, like, dark, just, like, you know, atmospheric, like, just dense beat. Like, it's, like, proto-cloud rap kind of and, like, you know, but in, like, the early 90s and, like, you know, the lyrics are just super, like, just dark it's basically just like murder music but it's really like enjoyable the production's like incredible um the the verses even though the lyrics aren't like you know particularly deep they're just they match the like really dark aesthetic really well and it's honestly just like one of the oddest but most rewarding hip-hop albums i've really ever heard
1: that sounds interesting i mean i literally know only one song by them that's shake my and I think that's, yeah, that's partly a represent, representation of
2: them. They got really bad. As soon as they started, like, yeah, I hate to say this, it sounds so cliche, but they literally did, like, sell out. I mean, they, they as soon as they got, like, signed, they just started making, you know, just, like, the most trashy, like, radio rap. But before that, they actually were making <laughs> really, like, uh, really interesting, just dark, weird, just experimental hip-hop. Like, and it was really cool. Honestly,
0: yeah, that, that's yeah. I can I'm um, gonna... I can sort of transfer into what I've been listening to this week nicely off of this. Unless you had anything else, Danny? No, I'm I'm good. Um, because what I've been listening to all this week, uh, is you you all. I've talked at length about my desire and need to listen to music chronologically, and it is no different from me. Trying to hip myself, so to speak, to hip hop music, which is like you know I've listened to hip hop music, but you know little old me can only listen to you know Tribe called Quest and Mad villain for so long without feeling guilty because you know those albums are good, but it's not a not really a good cross section of hip hop's history or culture I think um you know these right. th- these Yeah, what are essentially not they aren't themselves, but run in the circles of like hipster hop. You know, it's just what I think I'm sort of a general music fan with only a sort of cursory knowledge of hip hop. And those are the albums that people like me pick up on and listen to. And, you know, I say I like hip hop, but I've never really learned about it as a culture, which I'm trying to do. And so I started from the beginning. I started from the year 1982 with the release of Grandmaster Flash and the Furious 5 albums uh 5's album The Message <laughs> which is usually right. considered the first uh I guess sort of hip hop masterpiece and yeah. here's what I'm going to say about uh about 80s hip hop or at least mid and early 80s hip hop is that a it is very dated and b it is very <laughs> often dated and terrible yeah because i mean i can appreciate <laughs> How you know a, like a group like Hieroglyphics or Tribe Called Quest sort of grew out of this sort of you know boom bap 808 nonsense, but here I'm using nonsense and being very sincere and saying that it's a lot of it is fluff and a lot of it is very bad fluff, but I'm still <laughs> yeah. listening to it to um, you know calm my white guilt a little bit, <laughs> say that I know hip hop, but there have been um, there have been a couple of nice little uh, you know, flukes yes. that have slipped through the cracks. Uh, one being a guy who I sort of knew about vaguely uh, because I like you know sort of weird precursors to things, and that is a guy named Too Short. Has anybody heard? Oh of Too yeah, Short? Oh, I, I he's was from actually...
1: San Francisco, right? He is yeah. from San
0: Francisco. Yeah, let me tell you about Too Short. Shape. Too Short is a high school kid. He's about seventeen years old, and I guess this was man. This must have been like nineteen eighty one. Uh, here, let me let me look up when his first uh, album came out. Uh, T. Short was a very uh, skinny, young Steve urkel looking kid. Let me post you a, one, <laughs> one of the cutest pictures I've ever seen of a rapper. Um, uh, he yeah, uh, but... <laughs> released his first album in 1983, and uh, you know he started releasing singles, I think, in the, a little bit earlier than that. But he. What he did was a very sort of Wu-Ting-esque, uh, self-made man, you know, uh, Horatio Alger type thing, <laughs> where he would uh, he Sorry. would uh, record, he had a drum machine, and he would make little beats, and he and his friends would rap on them, his high school friends. And uh, he would just sell them where all the drug dealers, you know, sold their drugs. And he would just, fi- just five bucks a pop, he would, you know, capitalism it up, and he would sell these tapes to people. And, you know, it got him enough recognition to uh, get him a record deal in 1986. Uh, 1986, by the way, is where I am at now, listening to hip-hop records. Uh, Notable hip-hop albums from 1986 include uh, Run-DMC's Raising Hell, which of the three Run-DMC albums I listened to was the least terrible, uh, but still very, (laughs) very dated and very, very samey. And, yeah. uh, let's see, what else? Uh, License to Ill came out in, uh, 86, which is also, um, in terms of, uh, at least in terms of my enjoyment of hip-hop, not very good, but I, it, at least it wasn't as self-serious as a lot of things were. Um, and- The you, Beastie Boys are not anything. They are not self-serious. Yeah, they're, they're fun as hell. And yeah, I like that album. I enjoyed it. I listened to it. Uh, Planet Rock <laughs> came out. Planet Rock is, you know, I've always yeah, been sort of acquainted Uh, by listening to Electro. Oh, and also, I should talk about, like, early East Coast Electro music. Um, uh, Namely, yes, the one and only uh, Egyptian lover, who I have sort of, I I know about the Egyptian lover just through, you know, you you pick up when you go on RYM a lot, but Egyptian lover was a guy from, uh, I guess he was from New York, who just made these very weird homemade Electro songs, and they're really great. They're sort of like uh funk and soul and like house songs, but I don't know. I really recommend them. They're very catchy and there's some rapping going on there. And you know, some cursory scratching and all that. It's pretty great. Uh so you
3: said this you said this too short bro was like you're selling his his uh shit for five dollars, I guess tapes for five dollars. Yeah. It's kind of funny because nowadays when I look at like a Bandcamp album from like a, an unknown band and they're charging $5, $5 for it, I think motherfuckers are ambitious.
0: Yeah, right. <laughs> but may, I mean, what if like maybe there was like a little baggie of heroin included in your purchase? <laughs> that, that might, you know, maybe you know, a little bit more. Um, th- their reasoning, it's actually interesting because as their reasoning for selling it where the dealers sold their stuff is that they assume people are going to have cash on hand and in their pocket and, you know, be, you know, I don't know if necessarily it was an impulse buy, but you know, they're gonna have cash on hand and they can pay for a tape. Um yeah. yeah. What else came out in eighty six? Uh the, a guy named Just Ice. Just Ice is a cool guy because he um uh the production he had, I don't know who it was by, was um a little bit more in depth than the early sort of I don't the the worst example is a band like Houdini. Uh, who had that sort of electro vibe <laughs> to them. But so many of their songs were literally just a drum machine, which is the most boring thing, just rapping over a drum machine. And the only way that's going to entice <laughs> me to listen to it is just if your rapping is good, which it wasn't. Like it, The flows were so robotic and rigid. It's just it's hard to listen to for a long time. But Just Ice was pretty cool. Just Ice was a, uh, a I think he was a bouncer at CBGB's in the local hardcore clubs in New York. Uh and apparently he got into hip hop because, you know, some friend did. Uh which is pretty cool. Uh the first major label, Two Short Album Born to mac came out. Uh Cool Mo D was in eighty six. School D, the first School D album. School D, famous precursor to uh gangster rap and also Ocquaine Hunger uh, Force. Uh Hunger Force, yeah. He rapped the theme song to Hunger Force and I believe Paid uh <laughs> played the rapping spider on that show, uh, whose name I'm f- currently forgetting. No, that's, MCP, uh, Vince, no but, that, um, was,
2: that was, uh, was, that was the MC Chris. MC Chris. Oh, oh, yeah, Chris. was
0: MC Chris. Yeah. But yeah, Scully D did do the uh, Hunger Force theme. Um, Mantronics, who released, I think it was 85 that his self-title album came out, which is considered a lot of people as a classic. And I think it was, you know, it stood out a little bit more than a lot of other hip-hop albums. Uh, let's see, Nucleus, who were really bad. Uh, UTFO, who are also pretty bad, and the Fat Boys, who are (laughs) very bad.
1: They did Uh, an album with the Beach Boys, I'm pretty sure.
0: Really? The Fat Boys did? Yep. That's horrible. Um, uh, But yeah, Fat Boys, who are more of a gimmick than a band. Uh, World Class (laughs) Wrecking Crew, World Class Wrecking Crew, who were from Compton, I think, and uh, was the first musical outing of Dr. Dre. Uh, You all know Dr. Dre. And uh, I got a bunch of Curtis Blow albums I never listened to. But yeah, uh, I'm, I'm to salt forward... and yeah, salt... I'm not gonna listen to salt and pepper. <laughs> um, uh, I'm looking forward most. Wow. I'm looking forward most of all to 1987, which is the next year, uh, which uh, marks the first albums of Eric B. and Rakim, uh-huh. who I'm a previous oh, yeah. fan of. Cool. Uh, Boogie Down Productions. Um, Public Enemy, I think, had their first album, yeah. and uh, Out of Schoolie D had some more stuff, and it just got more sort of hardcore and uh interesting uh musically and lyrically and i don't know I'm just looking forward to getting over with the stupid mid eighties and getting into the pretty awesome late eighties
3: <laughs> yeah yeah I, I i I was thinking like I could never
0: do what you do listening to me, I, Rain Man, yes it's 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 not it's not the best but hey
3: yeah yeah <laughs> i mean like i i i you know eighties hip hop is just yeah i I don't want to listen to rapper's delight for a fucking 30 hours straight. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I mean, it's not all rappers to life, but, but yeah. I mean, <laughs> the, uh, I don't know. The 80s were, yes, the first <laughs> old decade of hip-hop, but, like, it, it was pretty sparse in terms of quality. That's why people call the 90s the golden age. The thing with hip-hop is, like, I feel like a lot of people uh, tend to, like, think it's one of those things, like, where either you're into the really fun stuff, like the really radio, right, like friendly, friendly stuff, like Little Wayne, whatever, um, or you're into like the really deep, like stuff, like you know, you're in MF Doom or you're in the tribe called Quest or whatever. But like, there's a bridge between the two, first of all, and second of all, I don't feel like there's anything wrong with being into, to like, you know, uh, fun hip hop, right? Like
0: my appreciation for pop rap has increased exponentially in the last couple months. Same here. Um, and that's with an increased rec- respect to hip-hop culture, which I always assume that um, there was cool guys like Tribe Called Quest, and then there's these dumb uh, pop star rappers that came up. but it's not like that at all. In fact, it's a lot more uh, closer to or a lot closer to like hardcore punk, which I'm very well acquainted with, in that there are local bands who you get well- known in a city, and occasionally they move up in popularity and get nationally recognized. There's a a local scene, there's a tape trading scene in hip-hop, just like in any other form of underground music, and I never really respected that enough, which is what I'm trying to do here, essentially.
2: Yeah, I mean, lately, I mean, you guys are gonna hate me for this, but I've been listening to, like, trap rap.
0: Like, it's a fun genre. No, I like trap a lot. Uh, Yeah, it's very aesthetically pleasing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: While we're on the subject, can we talk about uh, Chief Keef and the Pitchfork TV thing?
0: Yeah, I don't think we should. <laughs> oh God. Oh my God. Uh, you took uh, s- internet journalism. Oh, when I, I heard about out, that, off, I like screamed my head journalism. off. Like, oh my God, Pitchfork.
1: Uh, the thing with, the
2: thing with the Pitchfork is that they they're so funny with the way they treat like the artists that are from a completely different demographic than they're from. Like lately, they've been trying to like accept you know authentic hip hop. You know, into their yeah, into their ranks. Of, they'll, they'll
0: review a Waka Flock album when it comes. Yeah, to- no,
2: yeah, like they, they love Waka of, of Flame, which is hilarious, and that's fine. Like I honestly dig a lot of Waka of, of Flame. Yeah, he's great. It's just like sometimes it's just like, what are you guys doing this for? Like with with Chief Keef and that whole gun shooting range thing, I feel like they were just like, oh, like let's get this authentic black rapper and have him do his zany black <laughs> activities He'll for us. go right at home.
3: <laughs> <activity>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's the podcast <laughs> so, name, Black Activities.
0: Yeah, I think I think I think I, if I can provide an explanation, I think uh Pitchfork is probably a lot like me, uh which I am loath to admit but it's true. And I think they're driven much more by guilt than by respect to some uh community or artistic group because that's why I'm doing this. It's because I'm guilty because I don't know anything about this culture and music and I feel bad for enjoying what I do. Um <laughs> <laughs> which is which is a very healthy way to enjoy things, by the way. I recommend it to everybody. And uh I don't I, I don't know. I think Pitchfork is probably they do the same thing with metal, where they have, you know, their hipster metal that they'll review, you know, liturgy and all that. But I think they've been you know, Robbie can provide more insight in that than me. Um yeah, huh. More uh loud and angry insight as well. And uh <laughs> I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I think pitchfork is not necessarily scrambling to get hip with that type of scene, but I don't know. I think they're all, they're also in the same frame of mind as myself.
1: Well, they're basically becoming like the musical equivalent of Walmart. I mean, think about it. They huh. that's, cover that's, every that's very genre. point. Yeah. And you can listen to new records through their site.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then they will tell you if you should like those records that you gave them clicks to listen to there. <laughs> and you can watch TV through Pitchfork. they're basically yeah. Walmart. at This, this
0: point. sabbatical is starting to sound a little bit more, uh, it's making a little bit more sense to me that you mentioned I know. Yeah. <laughs> I think my sabbatical from internet journalism is just motivated by my own boredom than it is by any philosophical reasons, though, I think. I get you. Anyway, well, I talked forever back, about, well, I just about bad music.
2: Real quickly, touch on Too Short, real quickly. Go for uh, it. Are you familiar with the song Blow the Whistle?
0: No, I'm not.
3: Okay, I feel like that's
2: well, you mean Too the, Short. The...
3: So... Oh, oh, never mind. Not, not the it, one I was thinking of. What, I what think it's actually... Like ah,
2: uh, let me see. I'm looking it up. Uh, I believe it's actually in the movie White Chicks. If you've seen the movie White Chicks. No Is it well, an uh. soundtrack? Uh, hold on a minute. I think the song came out in 2006. But it was like a staple of every middle school hip-hop dance. Not hip-hop dance. Basically hip-hop dance because that's all they played was hip-hop. And it was always hyphy, because I lived in the Bay Area. Still do live in the <laughs> Bay Area. And that was the that was the jam. But uh, I actually still appreciate that song. That was one of the few, like, West Coast, trashy hip-hop songs from the mid-2000s that was really awesome.
0: But, what I like about Too Short is that he's been doing his thing for 30 years. Like, he started in 83. Yeah. He has not stopped making music, which is pretty cool. And I found out about him, uh, well, through RYM, but... That picture that I showed you guys is the um, the sort of uh, avatar and you know logo of a really really great hip hop blog that I recommend called Cocaine Blunts. And it's run by a guy named Andrew Andrew Nas, uh, who is he provides like a very nice commentary on hip hop and you know, not a lot of new releases. But uh, he has an interview with Two Short that's really kind of fascinating. I recommend it. Yeah, I'll check it out. Oh, also, uh, should I go see Damas in April? <laughs> if you can, if it's not too inter- if it's not too inconvenient, then, like, you'll have a heck of a time, you know? I don't Just... know if I will. I, I hate fun. Well,
2: it, it, okay, well, if you hate fun, then you won't have a heck of a time, but, uh, <laughs> you
0: know. I feel bad about that, because that music is not made for me. Like, it's made for people who like to have fun and dance and things, but I do like Here, Here's the thing, though.
2: I saw Flying Lotus live, right? I've seen him live a couple times. He obviously plays his own material, but really only the stuff that works well in like a, you know, I want to dance kind of context. And yeah. he plays a lot of trap. Like he played a lot of Tonight, you know, played even he encored with hardened to Paint. Uh, like oh yeah, I've, I've
0: heard he does that, yeah. Yeah,
2: it, it's honestly a lot of fun, like in that, it, the Gaslam Killer played a set right before, like nothing but trap. And but it was it fun, you know? Like it, it, even if you're not the kind of person who likes to have fun, like it, it just... In the moment, I think you'll enjoy it,
0: you know? Yeah. I'll probably go with another friend who's just as cynical as me, I think. That might make things a little bit more comfortable. Yeah. yeah. Totally. Yeah. Any who's <sighs> uh, I've talked a lot. Who wants to go now? Should be Robbie. Um, Robbie's yeah. the only one up. Yeah.
3: Yeah. I. Shouldn't we do the whole anticipated albums thing, though? Because I'd probably rather talk about that than what I'm, you
0: know,
1: listening to. Let's go to. for it. Sure. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. I'm more interested in that. If you're, if you don't mind.
0: Okay. Don't mind. Well, we're talking about okay. this episode. the The segment of choice is uh, our most anticipated albums for the year of our Lord, 2013. <laughs> and uh, right. I, I believe it was you, Alexander, who proposed this topic. So, would you like to start us off? Uh, I
1: sure. Uh, my first most anticipated release of this coming year is from Aluna George, which, oh, yeah. 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 Uh, have you, I know Danny's heard of him. have either yeah. Austin or probably. Nope. nope. Basically. <laughs> I'm not really into the whole alt R and B thing. That's blowing up. They call at it the R and B.
3: Oh my fucking God.
1: Yeah. I said it. I Why? said it on the podcast.
3: <laughs> Screw you.
1: <laughs> that's pretty good. That's pretty good. That um, makes me
3: feel terrible for white people. I'm, Oh, my
1: fuck. <laughs> um, yeah, like I'm not into The Weeknd. I, I I can tolerate Frank Ocean, but I'm not really into him either. And I, I do I not like... like I don't I like, like Frank a, Ocean. How to dress well. I think he's pretty bad. But
3: uh, <laughs> I think he's pretty bad, too, so don't worry.
1: Yeah, but Aluna George, they're sort of a minimalist kind of... Uh, how to describe them? It's like minimalist R&B from London, and has a very, it very much feels from that location. Like you can tell that. I hate comparing any electronic music to Burial because everybody does it for everything, but (laughs) um, you can definitely. It has that same kind of sort of vibe as um, Untrue, but it's a lot. It pulls from other influences too, and it's a little bit poppier. (laughs) And I think the singer has a great voice, and uh, I'm really looking forward to their uh, full-length release after their great singles you, that they released.
3: Yeah. Can you type I, their I'm, name in the – I was going to ask, could you type their name in, in the thing because I want to, you know
1: – Yeah, Aluna yeah. George. It's like Fleetwood Mac. Like, it combines their names. Yeah.
3: Except
2: it's one All word, right. but – yeah, yeah, no, I I agree. I actually I've enjoyed the singles from the project so far, and that EP they released, and uh, I think they're one of the most interesting uh, projects in the whole futuristic R and B kind of sound right now. You know, like, and I'm I'm curious to see what they do. Uh, I do yeah. like Frank Ocean personally. Actually, The Weekend is a really inconsistent artist for me, but he has a couple singles I really like. Luna George has actually been one of the most consistent, I think, uh, artists in the scene so far. So I want to see what they do with the full length.
1: Totally. Yeah. Uh, yeah. let's go to the same order. Danny, what are you looking for?
2: <sighs> um, one of the ones I'm really looking forward to, which is kind of standard for me, is, uh, One No Point Never. Um. Oh, me too. I, yeah, and I he hasn't even really announced an, a date or anything yet, but he's, first of all, he releases at least one album every year. That's just something he does. Second of all, he posted a status on Facebook recently that the, I think the mixing or the mastering or something w- for the album was just finished. So, um... I imagine it's going to be out soon, uh, or at least you know sometime this year. I'm really excited because Replica was my favorite album of 2011. Um, a really unique take on uh, combining sample-based uh, music um, with ambient music. Uh, and honestly, I don't know. I mean, it grew on me a lot from when I first got into it. it. Ended up becoming my favorite, like I said. And the albums they released last year were, were both like pretty good but not like amazing but I want to they were not they were collaborations with other people I want to see what he does on his own this time
1: Yeah I uh, thought that a split with a uh, Renee Hell was it R-Rain. Yeah. Yeah I thought that was Thanks, pretty Reed. good
2: Yeah Yeah that was that was good I liked what he did and the thing with that release is it was like a lot of really stunning sounds but the composition wasn't really like emotionally like relatable <laughs> like it was just a ton of sounds that sounded really yeah. cool you know what I mean like Replica had the sounds and it was like emotionally affecting <clears throat> You know what oh I mean? And then his, yeah. his release with Tim Hecker, who's another one of my absolute favorite artists, was just kind of underwhelming, even though it was good, just because it, it felt like compositionally aimless. They were just jamming. Um, I want to see what he does with an album where he's really focused again and actually, because his last two albums as One O tricks Point Never have had a really great arc to them. It felt like, you know, like a journey through this, through this, you know, a vision that he has, and I really want to see what he does next. so
1: Totally, I love Child Soldier. That's one of my favorite. That songs. was one of my favorites for sure too. Yeah. I also want a new uh, Chuck Person album. That would be pretty cool. Oh yeah, that, that would be awesome. Questions.
0: I been was listening like the to first, those. Yeah. I've been listening to the Eco Jams constantly lately.
2: Yeah, that that the one that I really like on that one is Too Little Too Late. It's like a JoJo song that he oh, like
0: messed so with. That's so good. It's so good. Yeah.
2: Man. Yeah, but that was like the first vaporwave release, and then now vaporwave is this whole genre, this whole little like ridiculous like. Tumblr slash moo genre, and he was kind of at the <laughs> forefront of it. So I want to see if he like, does anything else with it, you know?
3: Yeah. I've never heard anyone pronounce um, MU as moo. I've always said moo.
0: I've always just said
2: moo, but it's probably mu. or it doesn't really matter. <laughs> probably any of the It th- literally,
0: yeah. literally matters less than anything in the world.
2: <laughs> it, it, yeah. Less than a or something like that.
3: Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm just. I'm mm. just saying, I never heard Moo before, but mm. no.
0: Alright. Who's up? Uh do you mind bro, if you, I go? You, you can go, Robbie. Yeah. Go for
3: it. Alright. <clears throat> this album I'm I'm excited for well one because I'm a genuine fan of this band. But two, um because uh the album cover is batshit crazy and I'm from my knowledge I'm the only person <laughs> in the world that <laughs> likes it. You know, know where what it I'm says. going with
1: this. I know I know you what you're going
3: you might um the new yeah yeah yeahs album yeah. mosquito yes. oh Christ
1: <laughs> yes
3: I love that cover so much it's probably like... for the same reasons that everyone hates it <laughs> it's like an outtake from like a really
2: badly animated film from the 90s yeah
3: but um. it's like disturbing I mean like it's it's a fucking <laughs> mosquito carrying a kid with like some sort of sexually yeah. transmitted disease on his mouth or something <laughs> or like puke or, or puke or oh my God I don't know man. I
2: mean, I, I, you it, know,
1: too.
2: I've never actually yeah. listened to that an album from that band. I really love Maps, though. I mean, everyone loves that song, but I think it's a great song. So I'll eventually check out like at least a yeah. couple of albums before that album comes out, so I can be a little more informed. But you can
3: skip yeah, the they're... sophomore,
2: in my opinion.
1: But the other two are
3: great. Oh, I like, I, I like, I like the sophomore. Um, the, last
1: like the, really...
3: the last album was really. The last album was really electro but like right. in a good way. You know? Sounds cool, not... though, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I guess this album is sort of going to be that, but in a kind of darker sense. I mean, you know, quote-unquote darker, you know? Right. Darker for yeah, yeah, yeah standards. Yeah. Yeah,
2: I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll I'll give them a shot, you know?
3: Yeah. But, yeah, I'm excited for that, and, and the cover is great. Uh, <laughs> last, last word.
0: Last word. Mm-hmm awesome all right mine first album i'm very excited about is um an album i really only got into uh heavily or the follow-up to an album i've really only gotten into heavily this year which is hopefully the 2013 release by baths
1: oh Oh, you stole
0: it oh did i i'm sorry we should have gone over this before it's good it's good (laughs) okay i um yeah uh i uh i i really really got into cerulean this year and i listened to it you know mm-hmm. constantly and uh i mean it's just like everything about this guy i love and uh yeah he's he's really uh a, a talented songwriter and sample chopper and everything else and i'm really fascinated to see what his new album will bring oh, i too. absolutely am too actually
1: mm-hmm. According to Beats per Minute, he has a full band behind him now. So Yeah, yeah, cool. I heard about that. Although I do kind of just like him. I just like watching his dexterity over
0: the MP. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's amazing. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I really want to see uh what he does because that album, Cerulean, I felt like had so much potential and like it was great. I love it still. And I just felt like he, you know, had so much more he could do with his sound. I really hope that. You know, I, I want him to explore his electronic production more. I hope that the fact that he has a band behind him doesn't render his electronic production like kind of too much in the back seat. But still, like I, I have confidence in what he's gonna do. So
1: should be good. Maybe we can yeah. get uh, Josh to give us some early coffees because he knows the guy. Oh, yeah. that's right. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah,
0: that would be it, cool. Yeah. He'd probably be on the podcast. I think oh, that'd be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that'd
0: be cool. Yeah. All right, anyway, Alex, I believe you're up next. I am. But I did um, steal it. Damn it. I'm sorry.
1: Yeah, that's fine because I can replace that with an artist that I love, love, love just talking endlessly about. Go for it. Julia Holter? <laughs> awesome. Oh yeah. <laughs> she's she's on Domino <laughs> Records now. There's oh. no information about her album just that it's probably out this year and that she wants to uh, record in a studio and with and collaborate with a bunch of other musicians. So it'll be a different thing for her, but she's always changing her sound up, so I expect nothing but quality. Right.
2: Yeah, I, I, I'm, just, I'm really excited for that, too. I think Tragedy was still my favorite release from her, but Exorcist was great, too. And She hasn't done anything underwhelming to me at all so far, so I'm really excited for that. Three for three. Three for three.
3: Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, am I up next? You are. Um, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. This is one I hope you guys will be able to back me up on. She should be able to. Danny Brown. I'm really excited for Danny Brown. Yeah. Oh
3: that, <laughs> yeah. that was one of my options, my like options that I might have picked. Yeah.
2: Okay. Well,
3: sorry so, You know. You. <laughs> no no no. Oh fuck. Never mind. It didn't it doesn't matter. <laughs> okay. Cool. Go.
2: Anyway though. Yeah, Triple X was my probably my second favorite album of 2011, actually. Um so I'm really excited to hear a follow-up to that too. He he described in a in an interview with Pitchfork he described uh Triple X like to a T exactly how I felt about it. Like he he really like just nailed like the narrative that it that it you know that it carries, like and everything about it he really described well. And then he described the new one. And I imagine if he described Triple X so accurately, then this isn't also an accurate representation. And it and it got me excited. You know, he, he said a lot of things. He's working with some cool artists, uh, it's going to be more, I think, lyrically, like, uh, I guess, for lack of a better word, like mature, um, which is fine. You know, I don't know. I, I really have a confidence in that guy. I've never heard a bad verse from him. He picks great beats, you know, like I, I he, he's just a really fascinating
1: personality. Like
2: every, you know, I don't know. I really want to see what, what, what he does with, with the next album.
1: Yeah, didn't he compare Triple uh, X? Like I think he, I think we read the same. Yeah, exactly.
2: Yeah. Oh my yeah, god. Yeah, he said it was like going to be his kid. Hey,
1: in a way, so I was like, okay,
2: you know, so <laughs> those, uh, those words
3: enough
1: are enough to get me excited.
3: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It kind of bums me out that he's playing Coachella because I'd like to see him instead of the people at Coachella. Yeah. Yeah. Oh well. <laughs>
2: Yeah, at least the Coachella lineup is kind of bad this year for the most part, so. Yeah. 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 That's uh, good. Should I go next? Go for
0: it. Uh, yeah.
3: <clears throat> well, an album that I'm immensely excited for and um is the new album from Anamanaguchi. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And um what's the name of it?
1: I think it's I like Look meow. it up meow was and, the uh, single, meow was,
3: if, uh, oh meow was the name of the single it's something like travels and Sp- endless fantasy that's endless the name fantasy of the new band. album yeah and um meow honestly it it, it it right now it's it's up there for like you know my song of 2013 so far uh i I love that track so much it just has like everything that I've always liked about this band. And I think, you know, hopefully, Endless Fantasy will be just as good. I'm, yeah, I'm just really stoked for that one.
2: Yeah, I, I think that'll be interesting. They're they're a solid band.
1: Totally. Um, they have one album under their belt before this, right?
3: Right. Don't. Um, well, two if you count the Sky Scott Gold. Pilgrim game yeah, soundtrack. Yeah.
0: And I do. Yeah, <laughs>
3: <laughs> and then they have a bunch of. Singles and whatnot.
1: Those singles, though, are freaking amazingly consistent. Yeah, yeah they actually are. Like yeah.
3: Airbrushed, Skateboard but, Will Go On. Yeah,
1: that's my favorite. Yeah. yeah.
3: They're, just, they're a great band.
0: Anyway. Moving on to me, Austin Curley. <laughs> All right, so. Uh, I'm sorry, again, if I'm taking anybody's, because it seems likely... But uh number two for me would be the uh very. I I I don't know if it's happening or not, but it seems likely. uh The new Avalanche's album.
1: Oh, uh, it's never gonna happen. Uh, I'm convinced it's
0: never ever gonna happen. Yeah, I me mean, too. I don't too, know, man.
2: We did get the uh, new. We did get the new My Bloody Valentine. That's yeah, even we, more like a far-fetched thing than than average. Yeah, say say that the sentence.
0: Trail. Say the sentence. The new My Bloody Valentine album from 2013. And then compare that to, you know, the new Avalanche's album from 2013. I think I might, it might happen, and I'd be very, very happy if it did.
3: Yeah. I hope it'll happen. I'm not like holding my breath, but I figure if new My Bloody Valentine happened, and apparently new Daft Punk is supposed to happen in May, I f- like, you know, we'll see, we'll see where that goes. But you know, if those two are a possibility, I think Avalanche's might might happen. And speaking of Danny Brown, he's apparently supposed to be on. Oh yeah. That. He actually
1: yeah. recorded with him. He did apparently. something.
3: Yeah. 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 Apparently.
1: How can you get Danny Brown to spit a verse over your music and just do nothing with it? That's like, that's <laughs> yeah. insane to me. Like, yeah, you right. must release that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess I understand sample clearances and stuff, you know, they
2: thousands of freaking samples. They must've put into that thing. So maybe not thousands, but you know what I mean? Um, yeah, I don't know, though. Since I Left You recently has worked its way up into my top ten favorite albums, like, ever. So, I'm you know, hoping for something from that band. But, honestly, like, even if it never happens, like, since I Left You's already, you know, means so much to me. Like, I don't need another release from them. But...
0: And that's be- interesting, because that album has sort of, like, a very sort of mythical, like, magical quality to it. That it sort of, you know, came out of nowhere in that it was just these guys who made this like insane album, uh, with you know thousands upon thousands of samples, and it was this weird sort of mystical magical thing. And I think another album of the same you know concept would would maybe you know ruin that a little bit. I mean, unless it's yeah. you know, like a really fantastic album, but there's a mythology around that album I kind of like a lot. Yeah, I kind of
3: agree honestly.
1: Yeah.
0: but we'll see what happens. Yeah. Anyway, you. uh, Alex,
1: you're home up next. stretch. Our last uh, choices. Last ones. Um, hmm. sh- I have a list of all of the ones that interest me, and I'm scanning it right now. I'm gonna choose uh, the dismemberment plan.
0: God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> all right, C- cue me frantically searching for another one, you bastard.
1: <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> And the worst part is I'm not even as big a fan. Uh, yeah, and I,
0: I'm a huge fan.
1: I've, I like the last <laughs> two albums. I'm not as big on the first two. Um, Is Terrified is pretty good, but I, I don't love it as much as uh, you and Kyle. But yeah, yeah after s- such a long time and just amassing this great uh, sort of legacy of being a terrific live band, they're finally reuniting and releasing new material.
0: And I'm I am excited as hell because they are one of my absolute favorite bands uh ever and I'm so so oh so so excited for that album because you know uh is terrified and uh, emergency Diary were, you know great and then they you know a few years later followed it up with uh changes i guess um or i'm blanking on the name right change. now yeah change sorry um yeah. and uh it, it was you know not maybe not as good as emergency and I but Still a completely consistent album, uh, and you know I'm. I, I think they have it in them again.
1: Yeah. yeah. Have you listened to uh, Travis's solo work? Not just Travis Stan, because he has another one, right?
0: Uh yeah, the fighting, uh, the flaming Hellfighters or something like that.
1: Yeah. Is it any good?
0: Uh no, it's terrible. <laughs>
1: is it as bad as Travis Stan? <laughs> Uh
0: it's it's almost as bad as Travis Stan.
3: Looks like it's a real <laughs> Travis <travesty. laughs>
0: Good one. <laughs>
3: and there, and there's my uh, my, um, you know, participation in this in this discussion. <laughs> you never listen to him. Uh, I've I've listened to Emergency and I and I like it, but I'm not, you know, I I don't have any authority to, you know, be totally excited, for, you know, for a new album. I mean, I'll listen to it when it comes out, but I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not head over heels for this band like you know Alex is, and and you're probably or or like Austin, I'm sorry, and um Alex, you're probably an even bigger fan than I am because you know you've heard more than I have.
2: I'm curious. I, I I remember reading when I first found out about Pitchfork. One of the first things I read about them was how they gave that travis morrison album is zero uh what makes it so bad and is it really a
0: zero to you guys not a zero uh, yeah because that really doesn't exist but uh it it is maybe that's just factoring in some depo- disappointment from the fact that i love those albums more than life um but i don't it's very uh like forcefully zany like kind of a frank zappa-esque feel to it which i didn't like uh, at all right
1: yeah Although this was, like, early uh-huh. pitchfork, so...
0: Oh, well, yeah, I, I know that's when I, they were all kind of trashy,
1: but... Yeah, I honestly believe we will never see a 0.0 review ever again.
0: It's not ne- well, now, now they're all super serious and they hate fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Dang. Maybe it'll
2: come, like, eight years after the last one, like with the 10.0, right? When we got the Kanye album. Yeah. Eight years after the Wilco album. You know, I don't know when our last oh, yeah. zero was, but, you know. Anyway, um, yeah, my third one I'm trying to decide here, th- just to throw these out there, I was thinking about mentioning Daft Punk or Boards of Canada or maybe even Mad Villain, but, like, those, none, none of those are really at all confirmed, and those are those albums that everyone's been talking about, speculating for years, and, like, I don't know when those are ever going to come out, so I might even really going to get into those, but point is, all three of those would be... Majorly anticipated for me if they actually had release dates, but uh, until then, honestly, the third one. There are a few. Um, I was thinking about mentioning Justin Timberlake. I was thinking about mentioning Colin Stetson, but I'm actually gonna go with MGMT because uh, I, I really liked. Uh, I really liked Congratulations, despite the uh, the mixed reception. I thought that was a great album. I still think Oracular Spectacular is a great album. Uh, the singles like no matter how popular they got you know I, I still think the, the singles from that album are, are fantastic and the rest of the album is really solid too um, but I really am particularly excited for this because people were concerned that like the label would you know like interfere considering that congratulations didn't do that well but according to them the uh, Columbia is not only not really like you know, interfering at all but um they they've actually gone out of their way to say that they're making music that is not the most immediate they've ever made they actually said there's a lot of influence by Aphex twin and house music um okay. so this could end up like a catastrophe but it could end up really cool i do think it'll end up pretty unique <laughs> i that's the only thing i'm really expecting out of this thing but point is like they made two great albums, in my opinion. I want to see what the third one's going to be, especially since they
1: have some interesting influences attached to it. So,
3: it'll be the next
1: Pitchfork 0.0. <laughs> I love congratulations. That's a such a good album. In my yeah, opinion. I, I love totally that agree. album.
3: I will never get why people don't like it. I mean, you know, obviously opinion, but you know, I, I, I don't get why it's mixed reception overall. I mean. It would seem like an album that m- way more people would like than regular Spectacular*, given, you know, that it has some kind of poppy singles or whatever. Or maybe that's why people like that album. I don't know. I'm not the best with, you know, overall opinions. I'm better with my own and enforcing my own upon other people. Yeah.
2: Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. And congratulations so- wasn't even wildly different from time from. Uh- Uh, Oracular spectacular like uh, other than the singles obviously the singles were way different than anything they've ever done but i mean like the rest of Oracular spectacular (laughs) the psychedelic pop kind of thing they were doing congratulations like you know just a little less like grandiose i guess but yeah i think they're both Mm. great
1: i would say congratulations it's more sort of like uh it's more well studied of like classic psychedelic pop yes is how to put it but yeah, I mean, I'm really looking forward to the new MGMT album too. Yeah. And um,
3: uh, I want to say, just while we're on MGMT, I think I love the Yeah Yeah Yeahs cover for the same reason I love the Congratulations cover. <laughs> you know, with like like the the bubsy looking thing riding the wolf wave. <laughs> yeah,
0: that was never near as offensive that. as yeah. yeah.
2: I totally agree. I've never had a problem with that album cover, despite what people say. It's not—it's not nearly to the level of just ridiculousness that the yeah, yeah, yeah cover is.
3: <laughs> yeah, I think I, I think when Pitchfork actually covered that, they posted new MGMT cover, and then the only the only the only thing they wrote was something to the effect of "it sucks." <laughs> like post of the, yeah, the cover said bad.
2: it sucks sometimes they're just a little too snarky for their own good but whatever sometimes <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking through I'm looking through the mGMt news stories on pitchfork right now and it's just like a lot of you know generic festival stuff and then watch mGMt get pelted with shoes I have no <laughs> idea what the context is oh I, oh, I, can, tell I can tell you everything about that I can Reportedly attacked with piss I don't know what that is, is either but
1: About the shoes, they played on the beach for this um, U.S. Open of Surfing in my hometown. Really? Yeah, and everyone just threw their shoes at them because they said, hey, throw your sandals at us. But then everyone did it, so it was just like this wall of footwear. Did you go, Alex? I I was there,
0: yeah. Oh, nice.
1: I didn't throw my shoes, but Uh, (laughs) because I like the band.
3: That headline is fantastic. It is. MGMT one? pelted with oh, watch yeah. MGMT get pelted with shoes. But <laughs> what is what is MGMT reportedly
2: attacked with piss?
1: <laughs> I think like I don't know. I vaguely remember that story, but
2: <laughs> MGMT just gets the most cruel and unusual like backlash, you know? And Pitchfork just loves to feed on it. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, the third album should be pretty cool. Even if it sucks.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Should I go next? Robbie, you're up. Or last, I guess. Well, no, no, no. You're after me. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> um I I I have to end with something metal. Cool. Uh, I I I haven't discussed metal at all yet, which, you know, is kind of bad. Um there's some metal albums coming out I'm very excited for. Like, the new Covello talk would be pretty cool. Dillinger Escape Plan is awesome. Um, apparent, and uh, There might be a new I Hate God album that comes out this year. I've been to that. but Yeah, I'm very much looking forward to that, if that happens. But the one I'm going to pick is one of my most anticipated ones. Um, it's from a, a band called Deaf Heaven. Yeah. Uh, so I, I know Deaf Heaven. Yeah. With them. Yeah. One of the They're members fun. of
1: Where is is in that band, right? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, true. Yeah,
3: actually. Yeah, that's how I know them. Really? Yeah. Well, they um, they came out with an album a couple years ago that has grown on me since, but, you know, at the time I just liked it. I, I'm like, they could do some things to improve. And, uh, the new album, it, the new album is called Sunbather, if I'm not mistaken, which I think is a badass name.
0: That's a really good name, yeah.
3: Um,. And apparently they're you know taking their music into some other directions. Like if you if you didn't know you know if anyone listening don't doesn't know who they are, they're uh, they're like a black metal band, but they have elements of you know uh, shoe I guess you can call them. I, I really fucking hate the name black gaze, but you might be able to call them that. Um, but they also have elements of like they have some screamo elements as well in some moments and some like. Arpeggiated post-hardcore moments, and there's even the uh, they have one song that's really kind of post-rocky as well. So you can call you can put them under the whole post-metal umbrella too, if you want to do that. But yeah, I'm very excited for their new sorry for their new album.
0: Awesome! It's good to finally put some hair on the chest of this list, even if it is Black Gaze. <laughs> All right, last up, that would be me, and the album I am looking forward to most, except for that dismemberment plan album, sorry, uh, is uh, is the new album by the one and only Colin Stetson. Yeah, who was the creator of uh, the creator of my favorite album of two thousand and eleven, New History Warfare Volume Two. This is the third volume in the New History Warfare series and I don't know when the slated release date is, but I think there was one track that was released from it so far, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, sure. I liked it a lot and I'm very, very anxious to get the new album because I fell in love with that, uh, new history of warfare volume two almost immediately. And it was, you know, number one for 2011 thing was great.
2: Yeah. I, I agree with you. That was one of the choices I was thinking about picking, but, uh, yeah, he's for people who don't know, he's honestly one of the most creative, uh, saxophone players i've ever heard does things with a saxophone i just would never have imagined anyone could do but uh yeah i i'm really excited for his new album as well
3: he just has an approach that i've never seen from anyone else Uh, you know even from playing and also from recording i mean his last album was recorded with like however many different microphones yeah, a couple like some dozen or something yeah yeah and, and many of them inside the instrument and like
1: yeah.
3: you know you hear sounds on that and apparently there's no other instrument other than a saxophone but there's like a lot of percussive sounds on that album just from you know tap you know the the buttons not buttons but like you know the the saxophone you know tapping mm-hmm. from the inside apparently
0: what I like yeah. about that movie is that, uh, movie, what the hell am I even talking about? <laughs> what I liked about that, that, that album, uh, that is, wow, that is a, the wrong medium, dog. What am I even talking about? Okay. Um, uh, what I liked about that, uh, book was that, uh, <laughs> Colin Stetson is a virtuoso in the, like, most traditional sense of the word, but he definitely doesn't wank all over your face like a lot of other virtuosos yeah. tend to do. Like, he's not like Joe Satriani because there's still an abrasiveness and like a ragged aggressiveness in his music, and it's not at all polished or clean like you would expect from, you know, some, you know, uh, guitar virtuoso like, you know, Buckethead or something. It's still got a very sort of punk, uh, feel to it, and, you know, it, the musician, the musicianship is, you know, fantastic, and yet it doesn't come off as some, you know, uh, self indulgent, just, nonsense. It's yeah. still exactly, it's very precisely written. The songwriting is interesting. The melodies are great. It's not just, you know, running up scales, you know, very fast.
2: Yeah, and it's still compositionally, you know, it not only interesting, but like emotionally resonant. Like, there are some tracks on there that just really, like, stick with me beyond just being, like, really, you know, technically stunning, you know what I mean? Yeah. And like, exactly. does
0: that actually connect with people. Like you, uh, well a person doesn't connect with Ingvey Malmstein, like yeah exactly. a person out uh, you know rocks <laughs> out to Ingvey Malmstein, you don't really rock yeah. out to Collins Stetson, except on you know a few select moments yeah. uh but still that that album is uh fantastic, and I love it, and I'm anticipating a new one, and I predict it will be just as good if not better, yeah, The
2: well,
1: album
2: cover's great too,
0: yeah, yeah, I liked it a lot.
1: Uh, I've got a couple of honorable mentions before we head out.
0: Go for it, sure.
1: Um, we have Veronica Falls. I know Mark and I are big fans. That's yep. coming out in two days, so we'll heal that we're going to hear that imminently. Yeah. Um, Adams for peace. No one talked about it. But oh yeah.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Should be good. Uh, Phoenix. Everybody likes <laughs> Phoenix to varying degrees, but yeah. yeah. Um, the Strokes. I defend angles to the death. Sure. The new, the new single is pretty bad.
0: Yeah, that was that was rough.
1: Yeah, so <laughs> my expectations are very lowered, but it could still be decent. Mm-hmm. Um, Ice Age should be. good.
0: Oh, I'm looking very much. To, uh, oh, I've heard that, some yeah. of that
1: actually. That single is fantastic. I've,
0: I've heard all good. of it actually. It, it leaked. I think it leaked in it leaked. I Just haven't listened it to it yet. It leaked, my friend. Yeah. Yeah,
2: I, I, my friend played it for me. I, I kind of we were just talking over it, but I, I heard it in the background and it was it was good. I, I, even even for me, I don't really listen to. That band, or even that kind of music, particularly often, but it was good. Uh, mm-hmm. I thought it was cool. Yeah.
1: And uh, lastly, we have Mad Villain, but that's speculative. Whatever. <laughs> and uh, Dungeoness, which is a side project of Jen Wazner from Wyoke, which yeah. should be pretty oh,
0: yeah. decent. And yeah. Uh, do I have any honorable mentions? Let's see. Um, uh, the new uh, There's apparently a new Abe Vigoda album. Uh, I don't know if you listen to Abe Vigoda, but they are in the sort of uh, scene in L.A. Uh, around <laughs> located around the club The Smell and they played with a yeah. lot of bands like um No Age. No Age Health. Yeah. Health. Um they play with Health and uh Oh I don't even know. But um yeah I I, I would I would I would be down with the new Abe Go to album.
3: Yeah. Can I just say one? Go. Um I was I was gonna sort of leave it to albums that I haven't heard, but this one also leaked and I guess you could say this is my what am I listening to since I didn't do it. But like uh <clears throat> The new album from And so I watch you from afar. I've listened to a lot, and it's really good. Uh, I don't know if any of you, you guys are listening listen to that band. I'm guessing probably not, but um, I I really like that band, and I really like that album a lot.
2: Yeah, I've never listened to them, but yeah, yeah me give you
1: know, Sorry.
2: Um, yeah. Uh, if you're done, uh, I wanted to mention the new Justin yeah. Timberlake album. Um, I I I love. Uh, Future sex love sounds. Uh, Who doesn't? Yeah, that's just a great album, man. Like that's one of the best pop albums, like I think ever. Mm. Like just some great singles on there, and like it actually flows like really well, really cohesive. Like the interludes are like actually really well placed and like well utilized. They're not just like pointless little interludes that show up on pop albums all the time. Yeah. Um, but anyway, that guy's really ambitious, and I, I feel like. You know, I, I, even though people were kind of mixed on the new single, despite the kind of shaky intro and unnecessary Jay Z verse, I like the new single a lot.
0: <laughs> and <laughs> um, it was unnecessary as hell. That
2: is the word. No, to it,
0: totally it was. Yeah.
2: Yeah, but other than that, I, I like the single a lot. Like the melody, I, I think the main melody he uses was pretty great. Happy um, on my suit and tie, ty- <laughs> ty- 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 Yeah,
1: that
2: that part's whatever, but. You know, still, man. Like, and 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 you know, even if it's not good, we still have my love. We still have sexy back. We still have some classic singles from Justin Timberlake. You know, the the little pop star who could never would have thought he would come out of In Sync. Actually, good, but he did. You know, so yeah.
3: little <laughs> musketeer.
2: You know what else? Hold on. Sorry to to make this longer than it needs to be. But one more thing I'm really curious about yes. is new Miley Cyrus. Because she is going to be working with Pharrell. And Pharrell is one of my favorite producers.
1: Yeah, what's and, the deal with that, man? Um,
2: yeah, the, ne- I mean, the Neptunes are, like, <laughs> incredible. But the thing is with Miley Cyrus is it is obviously everything she's released so far has been garbage. But what she said <laughs> in the interview was that she wants to remove herself from her reputation thus far and work with Pharrell, do something more interesting. I really want to see. It's probably not going to be good. But I don't care. I'm really curious just to hear what it sounds like, especially since she's working with a fantastic producer who I feel like has done a lot of great stuff. So, you know we'll what? We'll see what happens.
0: She got a haircut. Got if, if Timberlake can do it, anybody can do it. I'm willing yeah, to give her I mean, the best Maybe she's going to be the new Timberlake, you know? I mean, th- th- you know, I don't know. I mean, the Monkees did it, the Monkees became a real band. The Beatles became a real band. She could be the next Beatles, uh, and not, not the next Beatles, but I think she could definitely pull a Timberlake, and I would be. Into I really that. do think she could. Yeah, I will I, give
2: it a I, listen. I, I, is she,
0: really is, she is she one of the the bevy of people in Spring Breakers? I don't even know.
2: Oh, no, no. That's, just Selena. that's Selena Gomez and
0: Vanessa Hudgens. They're all yeah. pretty much the same person. Yeah. yeah. Pretty much.
2: But the cool thing about Miley Cyrus is that she's been reflecting that kind of mentality lately too, like getting that haircut and like doing all that crazy stuff. Like, if she's good in that crazy, like
3: in terms she of her total personal life, then,
2: then like uh, I'm pretty curious to see how she does reflects that in her music, you know? Yeah.
3: <laughs> she's a total pothead now, so I'm hoping that she makes her stoner metal. But if not, <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> if not,
3: then, you know, I my life will go on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I might anyway. listen
0: if that happens. <laughs> yeah. We should we, let's let's end on this wonderful note that we're all very uh, you know looking with a a keen eye towards the career of Miley Cyrus. I think. Anyway, um, everybody, audience of your podcast opinion is wrong. It's been great having you here, listening to us talk about things, and uh, we hope to see you again in the near future. Alex, it's great to have you back. It's great to be back. Awesome. Uh, robbie and danny goodbye (laughs) goodbye good to good to be here again yeah and uh, everybody it's been great another successful episode in the back very well